welcome back to the Front Row Podcast. We, uh, actually a few days ago now, so we'll actually get some updates on uh, some news that has happened after the Grand Prix. But we are a few days after the Brazilian Grand Prix. Um, quite an interesting one. Fionn, what did you make of it? Uh, I found it hard to watch because of certain scenarios that were ongoing that I'm sure we'll talk about later. So my overall opinion was it was hard to, maybe hard to listen to is more important than hard to watch. It was it was an okay race to watch, but it was extremely hard to listen to the commentary. Yeah, I didn't even stick around until Felipe Massa's creepy <laughs> interviews because I just could not stand the absolute nationalism coming out of the mouths of all of the multinational sports conglomerate broadcasting crew. Joke. Even yeah. Damon Hill said it was good and he hates black people. <laughs> yeah, but you see, there's the dichotomy there because he's also because he's British. Yeah, yeah, so he's like, it was good, but... It confuses his Nazism. <laughs> so, we will move straight on into uh, our, our bottom teams. As we were just talking about off-air, uh, something that I didn't realise, Mick Schumacher finishes last of the runners with Nikita Mazepin just ahead of him. Uh, also in that bottom group that we tend to stick together uh, is the Williams of Nicholas Latifi finishing 16th and George Russell finishing 13th. And then, of course, we have Alfa Romeo with Giovinazzi, who is now out the door, and Kimi Raikkonen in 12th and Giovinazzi in 14th, that is. Um, do you think... That we, we've heard a lot about this. How long ago do you think Giovinazzi knew he wasn't getting a seat. Well, I know that there was a, <clears throat> excuse me, an Alfa Romeo dealership in China who got cardboard cutouts from official Alfa Romeo of Guan Yu Zhou before Sunday's race. They got them by accident. Um, but yeah, so I'd say he probably knew the the last race in Mexico. Uh, we hinted at it that he had, you know, disobeyed team orders during that race. So I reckon he probably knew by then. It was just a case of dotting the T's and crossing the I's uh, in terms of Guan Yu Zhou's contract. Yeah, they got it by accident, but as soon as they got it, they stuck it straight in the big main window (laughs) there. Plus, it also came out that Giovinazzi's also already signed uh, for Formula E. So, knowing what I know about those kind of contracts, kind of takes a few weeks to get them sorted. So, I imagine at the very latest, it was last week, but... Probably even before that, if he already has a, a contract lined up straight away. Yeah, a, a driver of Giovinazzi's caliber is not going to be just panicking and jumping on the first seat he can get into. Yeah, so he, has, say- he has the weight to basically wait around and see what happens. So obviously he knew uh, what was going on and signed that uh, contract with Penske uh, ages ago, I'd say. Do you think that that is the best move he could have got out of his career if he wasn't going to get one in Formula 1? Should he maybe have tried IndyCar or, or endurance car maybe? Formula E seems like a bit of a wasteland for drivers in recent years. No one really seems to come back when they go. Mm. Well, it's the same with every other racing uh, kind of Alex brand, Albon, DTM. Well, Alex Albon was always around the F1 community for the whole time he was away. But I mean, the guys who go off to IndyCar, they never come back. The guys who go off to IMSA, they never come back. So, I mean, it's the same as everything else. Mm. It's Unfortunately, the poor guy is washed up at the young age of 26 or whatever he is. 
He ran out of cash money. That's the thing. that's his problem. I mean, when you hear reports that Guang Yuzhao was willing to pay $30 million to get into a seat, you, you, you almost can't blame Alfa Romeo for taking a, a punt on him. And listen, he's not a bad driver either, by all accounts, in F2. Did he finish world champion in the end of the Formula 2? Well, it's not over yet. It's not over? There's still there's still rounds to go? They're, oh, they finish in Abu Dhabi, don't they? Yeah, they do. It, it's looking it like Piastri like is going to... Uh, beat him out he's currently on the top but uh, yeah Guan Yu Zhou he, he struggles with consistency a little bit so obviously he got out to that really hot start uh, at the start of the Formula 2 campaign but he's really kind of been hot and cold ever since and I mean to be replacing a driver like Giovinazzi for the reason of you know you can't get a consistent drive out of him with someone like this yeah it's all about the money but I mean like it's good to see uh, a Chinese driver in Formula 1 the guy is very likable, um, and he seems to have a good rapport with all of the teams on on the uh, on the paddock. So yeah, I think it's a good move for Alfa Romeo overall. Does this take him out of the Alpine Driver Academy, or will he still be an Alpine Alpine driver racing for Alfa Romeo? Does anyone know? No, I suspect he won't be with the Alpine team uh, once he once he gets in the Formula One seat. Yeah, announced as well is that Oscar Piastri is the reserve driver for Alpine for 2022. Don't know where that leaves Daniel Kvyat. Did he just get the sack? I didn't hear much about that, but um, yeah, there was that. And He's gone to the opposite racing series to uh, Giovinazzi where they use super petrol because it's no. Russia. <laughs> He's gone to the W series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, that is Alfa Romeo. Jo- uh, Kimi Raikkonen uh, finishing 12th. Not a bad result for him. Anything to say on Alfa Romeo and, and their overall performance this weekend? But I think if we were if we were Alfa bosses, we'd have done the same thing because we told Giovinazzi, listen, buddy, you better beat Raikkonen for the rest of the season, and he hasn't managed to do that. So I think we'd all kind of agree that our axe would fall on him too because that was another, another victory for Raikkonen in the head-to-head battle. I don't know if I would have now, to be honest. Like, and last you just week, love Italian Jesus. Well, that and the fact that last week, you know, Raikkonen finished in 8th place. That's pretty strong. You're not going to expect Giovinazzi to finish in 7th. And again, Raikkonen has finished kind of up the grid where he probably shouldn't be finishing in 12th place. I mean, would you really expect uh, Giovinazzi to like outperform Sebastian Vettel or Lando Norris or Fernando Alonso the three drivers who finished ahead no but I think you'd try and you'd want them to outperform Russell for sure right and I think that's the that's the problem like yeah they did finish a couple of places up but weirdly in this case all of the lower teams finished and it was Ricardo and Stroll who didn't finish so that kind of bumped them up two spots mm. so 14th is where Raikkonen would have finished Giovinazzi would have finished 16th which looks a lot worse to the eye if you had all the finishers so that's why I'm kind of saying not a great weekend for Giovinazzi but of course probably not particularly uh, motivated to go and race super hard given he was about to be dropped I think we need to roll the tape again though Fionn because you always say you know half of F1 is finishing the race yeah exactly did that no that's what I'm saying and that's why that's great if you're Haas because you're not even expected to beat Williams. That's, that's the or, max or you Alp. can do. That's yeah. the best you can do. But if you're already trying to beat them anyway, you kind of have to clear the guys around you if they're still mm. running. And seeing as they all were still running, I think it gives us a better bar of, of Giovinazzi's performance. So, yeah, that was my big thing that stuck out to me was Russell landed ahead of him, which isn't a terrible drive, like you said, Rainbow. 
if you're asking, can you do better? Yeah, I think beating Russell should be your, your top goal there. I think we just threw away an easy one too. So, touching on uh, Williams and Russell and Latifi, it, it looked like they were struggling again this weekend a little bit. Um, where is that pace con that we've seen in the mid-season? Obviously, we've seen George Russell put it on, on P2 in Belgium. He got his podium. Uh, where else did he get his... Or he, he, he put it on P3, I think, in Russia as well. Wasn't T- Spielberg somewhere? It was Or the Red Bull ring they were super quick to? Yeah, and he got, he's got some points throughout the season as well. But that pace seems to have just disappeared. Do you put that down to maybe teams bringing in some upgrades and Williams maybe not following suit? Or is it just was a, a string of luck, a string of form that they hit? Partially, yeah. I think it is to do with other teams getting better around them. I also think it's down to... You know, we're hearing a lot about financial issues with uh, with Williams at the moment. And maybe they don't want to take those engine penalties because it means buying a new engine off uh, Mercedes. I don't think we've seen them take an engine penalty so far. And I think maybe they're running with underpowered power units at the moment. And that's, that's where they're really being, uh, you know, taken out by the other teams around them. That's, so that exactly, is interesting. that's exactly where my brain went as well, because... The problems with the Merck engines haven't been failures. It's been unusual amount of degradation causing power loss. So it would make sense if Williams trying to save a few bob, just going with the three engines they have and just dealing with the power loss that they've been that they've been getting. So perhaps it's a it's a different sort of arrangement with Williams, but I was watching an interview with Andreas Seidel and they were discussing these engine issues and that they'd have to take extra engines and someone asked him about the cost cap and how that's going to fit in uh, and he said no don't that that's okay that's that's in the agreement already yeah i don't so, think i don't think it's to do with the cost how i think it's physically the amount of money williams have if you know what i mean i just don't think they have the budget regardless of what the mm-hmm. cost cap says they can and can't do but it, to me it seemed like what what i picked up from seidel was that there was no extra cost in getting an engine from mercedes that the money they've whatever way them the finances work that's covered now i don't know if that makes it probably doesn't make much sense but that that's the vibe i got off Seidel. so i don't know maybe you can enlighten me on that yeah I, I i don't know the full story myself but i suspect he was more so making a reference to uh the cost cap as in you're not allowed to spend money uh x amount of money on development during the year but if you need replacement parts mm. you're allowed to spend that money uh, cost free essentially when it comes to the cost cap so I'd say that's where he was going he was saying don't worry about cost cap we can take as many engines as we like but obviously they have to pay for them you know of course of course it seems like this year the, the luck has turned do you agree and why do you think it is what 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 I don't know brilliant thanks mate so we will now move on and touch on Alpine. Um, so where did they finish on my list here? A, a very strong P9 for Alonso and a P8 for Esteban Ocon. Ocon getting the better of his teammate for the first time in what seems like a while. Uh, Fionn, how do you evaluate Alpine's performance this weekend? I think that's a great performance for them. Only of those midfield teams, only Gasly, who's been pretty much roundly beating them this year, was ahead of them so i agree with you as well i think that's a great 
great news for Ocon. I think he'd be delighted to be Alonso. You're right, he has struggled a little bit over the last couple of races to keep up with him. Yeah, I think as well Alpine are going to be very happy that you know they matched the points of Pierre Gasly. I think they're going to expect moving forward Pierre Gasly is going to be ahead of them in uh, the races, but it's a case of can the two cars come together to match the points of Pierre Gasly because I really mm. don't suspect they see uh, Yuki Tsunoda as a threat. So they did that this week, ninth and 10th is 6 point or 8th and ninth is 6 points. And Pierre Gasly's seventh is worth six, so uh, it means that at least they stayed level peggings uh, in the constructors' championship. Mm, remarkably level on points with only three races to go. Uh, Fion, is it too tight to call, or do you think that Alpha Alpha Terry with its new pace? We talk about this every week, but they seem to have found some new pace with Gasly being well. He qualified P5 and then obviously he had a poor start and dropped down, but he still managed to finish P7, which is quite good for what we can, what where we look at the field ahead of both the McLarens, ahead of both the Alpines, uh, and just behind the Ferraris, which is not really the battle you'd put them in. So a good performance. Uh, do you think that this second, this this battle for that last position? is down to Yuki Sonoda and whether he can get a few more points for uh, for AlphaTauri. Yeah, I do. And mainly because if he gets points, it's going to knock an Alpine out of the points, if you know what I mean. I don't think there's enough room in the points for both AlphaTauri and both Alpines to score. So if Yuki Sonoda can get that pace and harness it a little bit like Gasly has, I, I honestly don't know which is the better car, to be honest. I don't know... If it's purely Gasly's talent that's making it so much faster than the Alpine. So I don't know if it if Yuki Sonoda can get it sorted and naturally be faster than the Alpines. I'm also surprised. Uh, I thought Rain was going to be bang on about Alpine outside of Europe. But they've they've performed pretty well in the in the couple of races we've seen them. So I wonder will that keep going when we move to the, the super speed tracks coming in the last stretch, the last two races. Yeah, I think we, we've we seen the last couple of races go fairly well for them because they're kind of, you know, at altitude. So where they struggled before was really hot, really humid places. Okay. And it, it just so happens that Brazil was not hot at the weekend. I mean, I know we had very high track temperatures on the Sunday, but it was cooling down and cooling down and cooling down. And we really saw the... Um, the Alpines get better as the race went on. So maybe that had something to do with it. But I think when we moved to Qatar and Abu Dhabi and uh, Saudi Arabia, I think they're going to really struggle. Um, now, they may still end up finishing in the points because the field around them is total chaos at the moment in terms of Aston Martin and Alpha Tauri. Uh, you can pretty much flip a coin and see what side it lands on to um, to figure out who ends up in the points. So, you know, they have a chance of points, but I don't think they're the strongest uh, horse in that race, if you will. Mm. So, just briefly touching on Aston Martin as well. Fionn, Lance Stroll, uh, retirement, Seb Vettel, just outside the points. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it Obviously, Lance Stroll, through no fault of his own, he did his best, and he even made a couple of overtakes with a heavily damaged car. It was actually quite an impressive performance. But uh, how do you think Aston Martin see this performance this weekend? I think they have to be getting frustrated now with Stroll on his qualifying antics. He really does struggle. Gives himself so much to do 
during the race. And like you said, very often he does manage to make a respectable move through the pack and get back to where we were hoping for. And on this occasion, of course, he got he got hit by by Sunoda. No, through no fault of his own, it was a wild dive, but I, it's got to be frustrating. And unfortunately for me, I thought right at the start of the season, I thought my hot take was going to be working out perfectly. But last couple of races, we've seen Vettel kind of, with the exception of where was it? Was it uh, Russia where he kind of got rained out and he went on the he went on he the went dry on the, slightly yeah. too early? The exception of that race, I think Vettel has had Stroll's number for the last few last few race weekends. So. Uh, yeah, I think Aston Martin will be happy with where Vettel finished, I have to say, but Stroll has got to become frustrating for them in the garage at this point. I'd actually disagree that they'd be okay with where Vettel finished. Um, I think particularly considering Vettel himself came out and said, you know, uh, I aim to be finishing in the points every week until the end of the season. It, it took him two races not to finish in the points. So I think they'd be pretty frustrated here. It, it should have been a track that suited the car. Um, now obviously there's all sorts of other issues going on in terms of qualifying and that sort of thing but I think realistically Aston Martin could have been looking to finish in the points this week and I think they'd be disappointed not to have Mm. Mm. yeah maybe not but if you look at who's ahead of them there's no one that you say maybe the Alpines that they could beat on their day but directly ahead of them was Lando Norris no chance that he should be beating them uh, even with Norris way down the grid after that unfortunate puncture uh, and then there's uh, the Alpha Terry which seems very very quick maybe again on their day but everything has to go perfectly and them two teams need to have a bad day and then it's Ferrari next who are, who are streets ahead of uh, Aston Martin so uh, it, when they when you say that they didn't get any points it must seem frustrating but when you actually put it into the context of where they finish and who they've finished behind maybe not so much like not but if really... you if you put it into the context of who they finished ahead of they should be slapping every single one of them and i know they did essentially slap every single one of them mm. but it's you'd kind of still expect to be finishing points particularly with Daniel ricardo getting a dnf that leaves one extra spot open mm. and that they were true. not the one to fill that it. is true i think they're that relying too much on Ocon having a bad race as opposed to being able to flat out just outrace them if that makes sense mm. if both teams have a perfect weekend Alpine win Alpine win, I think I that's just that. the reality of the case and yeah. I think Alpine had as close to a perfect weekend as they're gonna have um, this year but that does lead me on to the halfway point of the show we've got something a little bit different for you so I recently received this book, which is called The Ultimate Unofficial F1 Quiz Book by David Milloy. Not Milloy, Milloy. Did he send it to you, Brogan? Sponsorship he deal? Did. I wish. I wish he did. But uh, now it's it 48 euros on Amazon. Something I picked up for two quid or something, I think it was. Oh, excellent. So um, these are, there's there's the, the first, well, there's going to be seven questions for you, okay? And you're actually oh, going to be able to choose which questions you want. Okay. okay. So there's question. There's one question from each year Formula One has been active, which is seventy one of them. Okay. And that means you can pick. So we'll start with Rain. Okay. Uh, you have to answer a one question from one year in each decade. You can pick the year in the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties, and nineties and tens. Right. 
So starting with 50s. Okay, what was the first year? 1951? 1950. 1950, give me that 1950 one. 1950 to 59, you won 50. Give me 50. And I will say, okay, here's the rules as well. There, it, it, They are multiple choice questions, but you can play without the multiple choice for two points. Oh, I like it. If you take the multiple choice, you only get one point. But if you get it wrong, it does swing over to your rival. It's a convoluted broken quiz. So remind me, so... If I get it wrong, then Fion gets to answer my question for two Fion points. Fion gets to... For, no, not for three points. For two. For for two, if you haven't asked for the... Right. For the options. Fion, you can't then ask for the options if he's... Okay, yeah, yeah, of course, of okay. course. Got it? Got yeah. it, okay. Okay, so, Rain, you want 1950. I do. Okay. Which circuit hosted the first ever Formula One Grand Prix? Uh, I won't take the... Uh, the thing in me, Bob. The uh, the the multiple choice. The multiple choice. Okay. And I will go with Silverstone. Silverstone is correct. That's two points. <laughs> two points for Rain. So, Fion, what year would you like other than nineteen fifty? Nineteen fifty three. Nineteen fifty three. Good yeah. year. Good year. Good year. Good vintage. Fangio, I think, was the main man. Which. Which Grand Prix became the first true flyaway Grand Prix in 1953? Oh, Jesus. What does that mean? Off the continent of... Presumably off the continent of Europe. Right. Okay. Then I am going to say... You can take that multiple choice as well if you Oh, want. yeah. Give me a multiple choice for that one, yeah. Okay. So it's minus one point then. Brazilian, Canadian, South African or Argentinian... Oh, you know what? Argentina was the first one to pop. The- I'm going to say Argentina. Fion, that is correct. Oh, oh I should have done, the, should have done the no option. It was the too. first thing that jumped in my head. I, 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 my head immediately went to Argentina, but then I was like, is that just because Fangio's from Argentina? I nearly balled it when I heard the options because also the next one that jumped in my head was like, South Africa was a was a race back in the day, and then it dropped off big time. So I was like, "Oh, could have been that." Okay, Rain, back to you. Sixties. What year do you want? I'm gonna go with sixty nine for no 1969, reason. Nineteen sixty nine. Lol. <laughs> um. Oh, this is a good one now, Rain. This is a good oh. one. In a season dominated by Jackie Stewart, Jackie Stewart. which other driver also led one hundred race laps? <laughs> no. Give me the options. Give me the you options. You want the options. I have, have a feeling, but give me the options. You're going to have Jackie X. That's who I thought. Graham Hill. Denny Hulm. Or Jochen Rint. Oh, all big names. All Oof. big names. Yeah. I'm going to go with Jackie X. Going to go with Jackie X. Stick to your intuition. Yeah. So that is 1969. It was Jochen Rint. Oh. It was Jochen Wait, did that, it should not, not have come to me, Brogan, if he was Oh, wrong. shit. It should have gone to you. Ah, uh, that's okay. That's okay. Oh, bollocks, right? Okay. It, that, he, he was the only posthumous world champion, wasn't he? Would okay. you have said Jochen Rint, Fionn? Of course you would. No, I probably would have said Graham Hill, so that's all right. Okay. Uh, so uh, I will take... 60s. I, ref- I refuse to go with the dirty year of 66, so I'll go 1965. Why is that a dirty year? Because the Brits won the fucking World Cup. Oh, yeah. Last time they ever won any any fucking competition. Celtic won the European Cup in 67. Just letting you know. I'll take Why 65, did... thanks. This is an interesting one, Phil. 
Why did Jim Clark miss the 1965 Monaco Grand Prix? Contracted AIDS. <laughs> Hint, he did not contract AIDS. <laughs> I'm going to say his plane crashed. His plane Just crashed. straight out of the blue, Fionn. Don't even want those no, multiple choices. No, doesn't want the uh, options on a practically impossible question without them. <laughs> Um, let me find the answer just to make sure that it's not Hogan, if it's not on the multiple choice oh yeah that's true I could have just read the multiple choice that is incorrect Sean. he did <laughs> no, not crash no. his plane did but not but now crash. I can't take the fucking you, no you can't <laughs> <laughs> he missed his boat he did not miss his boat what oh, were the options bro the, the, the options were he had appendicitis He was in the USA. His car was damaged in a fire. His passport was out of date. Must be passport. Passport out of date sounds the most likely. You know what? When I did this quiz earlier, that's what I said. But he was in the USA apparently. Oh, so what was he doing that for? Gobshite. I mean, this this is his full time job. You would expect him to be the place where he needs to be. It's amateurish. After four, after four questions, were two one to rain. Two one to rain. Okay, seventies rain. What would you like? Uh, 77. You're going to party like it's 1977. 77. In which Grand Prix did Jacques Lafitte score his and Ligier's first victory in Formula 1? Balls to the wall. French Grand Prix. French Grand Prix is incorrect. Fionn. The Belgian Grand Prix. Belgium is an option. Will Do it be the correct option? Ligier, the famous microcar manufacturer turned F1 team. It was the Swedish Grand Prix. Oh, never even heard of Swedish wouldn't Grand Prix. It, wouldn't have even put it on. It was one of the ones that we had before in circuits that no longer host Grand Prix. Mm, mm. Along That's with South Africa and Argentina. Indeed. Fionn, what year would you like? 1970, please. 1970. Ah. Flat 70. I know who won the World Championship that year. Who won the first Grand Prix of the new decade? Give me the options, please. Jack Brabham, Jackie Stewart, Jackie X, Jochen Rint. All the J's. Uh, Jackie Stewart. Jackie he dominated Stewart. the year before. We heard that in that question on 1969. So I'm hoping he continued his dominance into the first race of the next season. So you said it was Jackie Stewart. I did. Did you? Yep. The answer was Jack Brabham. Oh, can't believe it. Okay, but you're meant to give the other person the option. That is true. Well, now you are even. Now we're even. I before. would have said Jackie X. So there you go. <laughs> so I'm aggrieved that you didn't give me the option. 1980s rain. 1980s. What year would you like? 1980s. 88. You want 88. Exactly 100 years after the founding of Celtic Football Club. This is a Formula One podcast, Brogan, not apologies, a Celtic apologies. Fo- podcast. No, no football, no football. Who collided with Senna at Monza, thus ending McLaren's chances of winning every Grand Prix that season? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Give me the options. Okay, hang on. I'm just moving my bookmark. Okay. 
The options are Jean-Louis Schlesser, uh, Pierre Carlo Rinzani, Bernd Schneider, Oscar Larauri. I was like, right, pick the big name because, you know, he was racing at the front. Yeah. Mm. Could have been a lapped car. Giancarlo Rinzani. Don't read out the answers if he's wrong. Uh, which one was it? 88. That is incorrect. So what were my options? No, Your you're options. not allowed to hear the options. No, because you... You heard the options, the options. you Jean-Louis Schlesser, Pierre-Carlo Rinzani, Bernd Schneider, Oscar Larauri. I'm going to say the first one. Jean-Louis Schlesser? Yeah, Schlesser. Is correct. Oh, oh equaliser! Boop, 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 boop. For one point. So that's 80s. If you're on your back level, what year would you like from the 1980s, please? 89. <coughs> 89, you would like. Who won the Japanese Grand Prix after Senna was disqualified? Famous disqualification. I want to say... Oh, Jesus, what's his name? What is his name? Okay, give me the options, please. You can have Nigel Mansell. That's the one. Hey. Garrett, you, you don't want to no. get arrested. I couldn't remember his fucking name to try and get two points. Well, it's incorrect. Oh. <laughs> and Rain, you are allowed the uh, the 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 full list. Mm-hmm. So it was Nigel Mansell, Gerhard Berger, Thierry Bootsen, or Alessandro Nanini. I think it's the hand man Gerhard Berger Gerhard it is not hand it is not Gerhard was Berger. it me 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 it was Panini was that his son who did really bad in Formula 2 and got sacked must be I don't know he's probably a bit old mm. maybe I don't know could be his granddad or something so 90s 90s what are we saying what are we saying we're rapidly getting through this quiz we I'm, I'm gonna go with 96 the year I was born 96 the year you were born whose cr- oh. whose crash helmet did David Coulthard wear in Monaco in the Monaco Grand Prix of 1996 Jackie Stewart Jackie Stewart Jackie Stewart is incorrect give me the options please Brogan no you can't get the options oh yeah you can't get the options uh I'm just going to guess Mika Hakkinen. He was an option, but it wasn't Mika Hakkinen. I thought he just wore one that was similar to someone else's. No, he wore their actual Michael Schumacher's cra- helmet. Actual crash helmet. Like actual his crash helmet. Like his spa- he had a spare one. That right, he used, okay. That Didn't he wore. Fionn. Yeah. Uh, I'll go mine then, 94. 94. Which of the following drivers was not suspended from at least one Grand Prix during the 1994 season? <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's a that pretty multiple choice question. You have to listen to the options then. You have to listen to the options. That's unfortunate. Uh, Eddie Irvine, Jean Alesi, Michael Schumacher, Mika Hakkinen. I'm going to say Mika Hakkinen. He was a clean guy. The Flying Finn. 94... Famous John Lacey. You got shot, Brogan. You did it again. Oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say John Lacey as no, well this time. 
So, no points there for either of you. We go into the noughties. Rain, what uh, year would you like? Oh, nine. You want 2009? Yeah. Clever, clever. That's as recent as you're going to get. Who partnered Kimi Räikkönen at Ferrari for the last five Grand Prix of the season? Ha. 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 Give me the options. I can't believe I'm doing this. Giancarlo Fisichella, Luciano Burti, Vitantonio Liuzzi, Luca Bedor. I, th- I think it... That doesn't make any sense to me at all. I'm going to go with Vitantonio Liuzzi. Vitantonio Liuzzi. Don't read it out, you gobshite. Yeah, I won't. Is incorrect. Feel okay. I based only on because I think he was a Ferrari driver at the time, like previously, and they someone got sick or something, and they brought him back. I'm gonna say uh, the first one fit the. Uh, uh, what was it? Fisichella. Giancarlo Fisichella. Fisichella, yeah. That is correct. Stolen oh, point for Fionn Malloy. I'm gonna take the year 2000, please, Brogan. You're a That's not in the 90s. That's the the, the 90s. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> what was different about the 2000 British Grand Prix? <laughs> Give me the options, please. A. The safety car led the most laps. B. It took place in April rather than July. C. It was run anti-clockwise. D, it was a non-championship race. The date, it was run in April. That is correct. Mm. Bam! But that is two points from that round, Fionn. The teens, the 2010s. Um, Rin, what G- year would you like? Give me 2019, bro. 2019. You can have 2019. At which Grand Prix did Charles Leclerc take his first pole position in Formula One? You see, I need two pointers. Possibly. We don't know. How are we going to announce the winner at the end? Brogan's just going to have to do a count back when he reads it. I'll have to record his both celebrating victory. <laughs> um, 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 I don't want to give Fionn the options, you see, because it makes it much easier. Mm. And I do not know. I'm just going to tell you that, Rin, So I'm going to say Monza. Oof. Incorrect. That would have been my guess, I have to say. Uh, why don't we say Spa? They are two races. They were his first two victories in Formula 1, not his first pole. His first pole was in Bahrain in 2019. Oof. Interesting. Would have never so got it. Would have never zero, got it. Zero points. Brogan, this quiz is very hard. 
Yeah. Listen, you can't blame me. I didn't make the questions. David Malloy, if you are listening. David Malloy. Fuck yeah, you. Prick. All right. Prick. Spell your name your properly. Dick. I don't want your sponsorship. <laughs> Fionn, what, what, ne- what year do you want? 2015. 2015. Where did McLaren finish in the 2015 constructor standings? I want to give Ryan the chance to steal or maybe confirm his victory. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I will say that McLaren in that year finished fourth in the constructors championship. That is incorrect, Ryan. I think they finished Ninth. That is also, actually, it mightn't be. That is correct. Yes. Two points for Ryan at the death. Two points. That either draws me level, makes it five all, makes it seven (laughs) five, or makes it. (laughs) So just in case it is a tie, it's two out of three that I'm the winner. Just in case it is a tie, there is one more question for the year 2020. Okay. Okay. And Are this will have to be uh, shout your name. Yeah. Okay. If you know the answer, or just no, let's no let's options. both give let's both give separate answers. Okay, and then I can just start picking random questions. Yeah. If you both get the same answer. Yeah. Okay. Ryan, coming to you first. What does the acronym? D-A-S stand for on the Mercedes W11. Uh, dual axis steering. Fionn? Yeah, dual axis steering. He's right. That is correct. Okay. So, let's move into... 1951. <laughs> okay. Pick a page number between... Um... Let's see. Just do, Brogan, do the year 2000. Just open it, Your mate. birthday. Oh, no, wait. We already had 2000, didn't we? 88, from 81 to 82. Actually, maybe not one. Later. Just pick it. Just pick it. Okay. Pick a page. This one. Something from the 90s or the teens. Film picking number between one and six? Uh, three. Three. Ryan. Who was the youngest driver to race in a Grand Prix in 2019? The youngest driver to race in a Grand Prix specifically in 2019? Specifically in 2019. Lance Stroll. Fionn. Lando Norris. I think you have it, but well, at least if there's somebody younger than Lando. It is Lando Norris. We we might have a winner, <laughs> or we might have now tied it, but we don't know. No, it can't so be because I wouldn't have got to this stage. One way or the other, somewhere, someone someone's won. Quiz. Someone's won. So congratulations to that person. Be, you you will be to say you now have to make a question for next week. You have to make a question. No, let's two hope weeks. it's let's hope it's not rain, um, and we'll move <laughs> on from there. P three, P three, did an awesome job. Yeah, we nailed that one. So we move into the the big boys of uh, the championship and the team who didn't really act like big boys, uh, McLaren, Rain, you must be very upset. I'm not upset. This is what I've come to expect at this stage. Um, 
the only solace that I can draw from this is that a Mercedes power unit died in a car and I'm just hoping the same thing happens to Lewis Hamilton at some point throughout the next three races. Um, yeah, Daniel Ricciardo looked to be going okay when he had full power. Uh, we saw him drop back a little bit then. He uh, he passed Gasly and then immediately ended up giving the uh, the place back and then just dropped away after that. And uh, yeah, Lando Norris was hampered a little bit by going uh, going off track, suffering a Pirelli tyre blowout. Probably not <laughs> Pirelli's fault this time. Um, yeah, at the very start. And, you know, he just never really recovered from there. I think, you know getting in amongst the Ferraris was possible at that race. In fact, he was side-by-side with Carlos Sainz uh, going into turn one. Um, and yeah, that puncture just ruined the race for him. It is interesting, Rain, though, that every time I see Lando Norris is compromised in his position or his strategy, they just send him out on whatever tyre and say, go as long as you possibly can. It seems like a mad uh, strategy for them to use. But it seems to work sometimes. Yeah, I mean, they managed to scrape a point out of this race and I don't think that was very much on at the start when they had to... They they were essentially a lap down at the start of the race. You could see the little tracker in the corner. Lando Norris was coming through like turn four when uh, Verstappen was going across the the finish line, essentially. So yeah, they, they, they did well to get back to 10th place from there. Fionn, you must be very happy with McLaren's racing this weekend. Yeah, I am, but I do feel like they got quite lucky. Like Rain said, uh, Ricardo was close to to at least putting some pressure on the Ferraris in the end of the lap, at the end of the race. I beg your pardon. And Lando, I think he had a great recovery drive. I think a point out of where he went was a pretty reasonable recovery. They had the Mercedes engine, but they don't have the Mercedes uh, like. A downforce package and I think it was a lot trickier to move through the field than uh, one certain Mercedes driver made it look in his car so I think he did a pretty good job as Ray mentioned to go from basically last by a significant chunk to scoring a point I I think it's a good drive but I can see why he's not happy it, at this point of the season it's irrelevant having good drives it needs to be good point scoring and, and that just wasn't the case for them this week Ray, you concur? Yeah, 100% agree. Okay. Well, the, so. only, the only solace you have is that it's still three races for the Ferrari engineers to monkey themselves. <laughs> so, like, there's no guarantee the both Ferraris finish what's any the, of the next What's the races. gap now, though? I think it's quite substantial. Uh, the, points. It's, it's, it's quite a lot. Ferrari now, got say. 19 points as opposed to one at the weekend for McLaren. Ferrari yeah, are now ominously consistent it seems like there's no one ever between the two drivers 31 31 points that's a long way to go i don't i I, it's over now for mclaren the way i see it anyway but uh, as i was saying ferrari are now ominously consistent charles and carlos are right beside each other pretty much every race when they finish yeah it turns out the reliability the reliability that that they put into the car was reliably finishing faster than that new super reliable double xl turbo we put on it is is doing wonders (laughs) but it seems that the pace that mclaren showed at the early part of the year um has kind of dropped off we haven't seen well maybe i'm i'm speaking a bit quick but um considering where 
Lando Norris was in Imola, where he put a P2 very, or could have put a P2, obviously, he, he his track limit warning, or track limit got his time deleted, uh, and he put it on pole in Russia, but that was a bit of weird circumstances, but it de- definitely seems like they don't have the pace that they had at the start of the year. No, 100%, and I think that comes down to power unit drop-off again. I mean, I know uh, Lando took an engine penalty um, last race, was it? Mm. yeah but it doesn't seem to have made much of a difference weirdly enough um you'd think that you know it being at altitude uh last week um and at altitude again this week where they went very well in spielberg you'd think that you know maybe they'd be able to do uh do bits this week but you know it just just hasn't been the case and i think uh, i'm just not sure because if you look at it uh, at the at the start of the sprint race this weekend, Lando Norris was told not to defend against Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton was 15 places behind him. Uh, why would you tell a guy who's 15 places ahead of a guy not to defend when he gets by you? Because you know he's going to get by you. That's how much of a gulf there is now between a Mercedes with a new Mercedes power unit in it and... A McLaren running a similarly new power unit. Doesn't make sense to me at all. And I'll bring it back to Imola, where he held him behind for about 10 laps. He held Hamilton behind for about 10 laps. Mm. And in another race as well, it might have been Austria, he held him behind for quite a long time as well. And Russia, Russia saying, too. Hamilton saying, oh, what a driver. Mm. So, Lando seems to be doing everything he can, but the, the gap between them two, them these two eras of the same season very weird i don't i don't see film what what do you see as having happened to mclaren or is it the rest of the field have pulled away from them a little bit no i don't think the rest of the field has pulled away from them a little bit i think maybe ferrari has pulled away from them a little bit with and their uh, extra reliability yeah and and i suspect have rain have Mc, have mclaren taken engine penalties um Norris Lando took one has in, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen one out of Daniel Ricciardo so far. So so maybe they are dealing with the same kind of power loss that, say, Williams are looking at at the moment. Hmm. Maybe. maybe. They I are. mean, there are talks of financial issues in uh, McLaren as well. So maybe there is a bit of cost saving going on. Knowing that, you know, we have new regulations coming up next year. What's the point in throwing everything at it this year when we're probably fairly confident we can beat Ferrari next season. And I think at where they are, Ferrari and McLaren, I'm not sure, say, wind tunnel time is going to be that significant. I mean, the uh, Alpine and Alpha have no chance of catching McLaren, so I'm not sure they're they're really at risk of their, say, tunnel time, their wind tunnel time change and depending on how the last three races of the race go so yeah maybe they did make a calculated decision go look we'll fight as hard as we can but we're not going to spend extra money and extra resources on rebuilding engines when it might be maybe the predictions predicted that ferrari were going to kind of keep moving away anyway no matter what happened with their engine scenario Mm. i just want to say i love this track yeah it's cool man Fionn, were you shitting your jocks when you seen Carlos Sainz go from a set of mediums to a set of mediums and Carlos or Charles Leclerc pitting weirdly early? Of course not, bro. And that's because I'm a Ferrari fan. And as a Ferrari fan, you get used to nonsensical 
insane strategies that go against the conventional wisdom of the grid. And this was yet again another strategy. Somehow this time it worked out, but like I'll never forget the race. Was it again uh, in Russia where Leclerc was just following Verstappen along nicely? All he had to do was just go where Verstappen goes. If he went to the pits, go to the pits. If he stayed out, stay out. Just follow him. Just bank, bank your third place and follow him. And they didn't. They left him out. He died. He didn't even get third place. He got fourth place in the end. He got destroyed by Hamilton. So, you know, let the people buy, you know, lose. You are the only do the win. Where will I finish if I stay out? Is, only the win. It's possible to win. Yes, though, I know if I'm on the racetrack, it's possible to win. Where will I finish? Uh, we are super good. It's a win if you don't uh, let the, the whole garage, they get a banana. <laughs> Very excited for this. No, so maybe look, you'll look. Uh, get so the red shell. No, maybe you were surprised because you have what's called a strategist in Red Bull, and you're not oh. used to just making wild, good decisions <laughs> in the middle of a race. But... I'm far from a strategist, though, and I know that you know when you have a hundred kilos of fuel on board, you go twenty. What was it? Twenty-seven laps they did on the mm-hmm. mediums, and then they came in and put on a set of mediums yep. and went for twenty-eight laps which brought them up to 54 laps. They only had 16 left in the Grand Prix. What's the next set of tyres you put on? The hards, when you're nice and fucking light. And you could probably go on a set of softs. Or, yeah, I think know. they were scared shitless. I thought that was going to be the masterstroke. They were going to go on because lightning fast tyres that no one else had. Everyone else was too scared to go on. And they everyone were like, were like fuck it, yeah. let's go. Let's try and get in third place. And we'll just everyone like... Was... I, I, suppose, I suppose it was... It came down to where they saw everybody else. You know, they were in a bit of space there. Don't take the risk. Don't take just, the risk. Just, just bring it home. Bring it home yeah. in fifth and sixth place. So but I'd say that probably was strategy number one was go to the softs at the end of the race. But it didn't make sense to me to go two long stints on mediums and then a short stint on hards. It mo- pretty it must much because that would make sense, right? Go fastest tire, fastest tire, and then call it. Have you got a shot and go on super fast, or have you not got a shot and just hit the banker and like? don't take your obviously penalty for not using the right tire compounds whenever i hear the ferrari strategists talking to their drivers it's always plan b yeah it seems like they never stick to the they never plan. it really feels like they, <laughs> they never, never go, go long they never go long either you never hear them go oh it's short strategy plus seven it's not it's strategy minus nine go it's, look i i don't it's to go back to france last year remember they had or was it this year where they had an outrageous tire deck i don't think the aero package is particularly kind on the tires in Ferrari. And I think their optimal strategy, their strat A is always like an insanely conservative drive for the drivers to preserve tires way longer than the car will actually let them go for. And then that's why they're always like strat B a minus 12 laps. <laughs> okay. So you want we, me to we come make in it, We now. make it a three stopper. So you want me to come in now? Yes, that is correct. Bit, bit confirm. <laughs> And because they do a stupidly crazy undercut, they come out in first when everyone else pits. And then it's like he's struggling <laughs> with four flat tires trying to get over the line. It, it, oh, okay, you, shall we? Was pit in six laps, pit in six laps, and he's just on bald tires. <laughs> he's rallying around. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good. Where, will I, where will I finish if I come in now? It does not be thinking about guaranteed <laughs> lost. You keep going for six more laps. Thank you, Charles. 
<laughs> no stops, we got the end of race. <laughs> It's 86 laps. <laughs> I see spit rain. FIA say, don't change the tires. We go, no change tires for the rain. No problem. <laughs> I fight with FIA. I say, look, it rained. Spit on the ground. There is the rain. No problem. Spit on the ground or I spit on you. Charles, Charles, can you spit on tires to cool them down? They are very hot. <laughs> <laughs> you are running in clear air. <laughs> Tires now 120 degrees Celsius. <laughs> Sounds vaguely Turkish now. It slipped. It slipped a little bit. <laughs> oh. When are we going to get a Turkish driver on the grid? That's what I want to know. Have we ever? I don't know a Turkish driver. No. Uh, no. No. Turkin Paul the rest that has a Turkish granny or something. <laughs> It looks like you'd smash a kebab. <laughs> as long as you deep fried it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yep. Not happy with the strategy at all, guys. Not on the radio, mate. Do not choose the radio for that. Anyway, we'll move on to our last two teams. Uh, Red Bull definitely seems like there was some sort of issue this weekend. They didn't set the car up properly, whatever it was. Uh, they were slow. Hit. It was they were slow. car set up. Why were they slow? That's what I want to know. Why were they slow? They knew they wouldn't they wouldn't be fast enough with the with the new engine of Mercedes. They were banking on being fast enough if they didn't have to if Mercedes weren't brave enough to take an engine penalty. I think Brazil was always good. like that main straight, okay, there's a bit of a kink in it. But it's like two kilometers long. They were never going to be able to hold out. Even what was it? Even without DRS, Hamilton was like eight kilometers an hour faster down the straight than Verstappen was. Mm-hmm. That's outrageous. Mm-hmm. But Verstappen was about three or four tenths quicker in the middle sector. Yeah, but eight, I don't know what the maths is, but I'm pretty sure eight kilometers an hour on a two kilometer stretch rain. Do the engineering maths fast. How many <laughs> seconds is that more? I don't fucking know. <laughs> Ryan, what was your take on it? I thought that Sergio Perez was hugely underpowered in this race. I thought, like, we saw the Ferraris absolutely smoke him in terms of straight line speed. Uh, what are you laughing at? Hugely underpowered or hugely terrible? No, hugely underpowered. He had a decent race, you know. He finished in fourth place. He was putting a bit of pressure on Bottas, mate. How did he not get by Carlos Sainz? But this is my point. He had his DRS wide open in that sprint race, coming up behind Charles Leclerc, who's essentially on a bicycle when when it comes to, like, the overall standings. And he couldn't get close to him. And like there's no, away there's no, the last there, he wasn't though. He was no further away than any of the other guys who were making passes. So either he wasn't finding the slipstream, I highly doubt that. He's been racing since he's six years old or something, or the Honda Power Unit was just not putting it out for him. Hey, someone needs to remind Perez as well that he's still a pleb. He got a massive head from finishing on the podium in Mexico, and everyone cheered his name. And he must be still high. Because he's literally like, tell Verstappen to slow down to give me the slipstream of DRS. And Red Bull are like, but, uh, eh, no, uh, you're look, the second driver. That's, that's a tactical decision. It actually makes sense. Now, the gulf in talent kind of makes it impossible to do. But if you had two guys who were roughly the same and maybe he was going to pull a gap of one and a half seconds or whatever, slow him down. Get him the DRS so he's not like in danger 
of being caught out by the Mercedes. It makes sense. And it was worth him asking the question, but it was never going to happen. So, moving on to one of the last questions of this podcast. Rian, was it a racing incident or should it have been a Verstappen penalty? Verstappen should be in court. It was attempted murder. But <laughs> he got away it. with it. He got away. I don't know. It seems like actually Red Bull have the FIA in their pocket at the moment, the same way Ferrari have for the last ten years. But they didn't even take a look at the onboard camera before making the decision that no, no action was necessary. And we've seen some pretty crazy penalties given out, like the the wing being zero point two. I suppose it is. A penalty is a penalty. That's fine. But, like, it's something that you don't expect to see. Like, why did they check? Well, because it's the rules. I, I suppose, yeah. But at the same time, loosening That's the seatbelts. That's an easy thing to check, you know? They were talking the about, they were talking about uh, giving penalties for that. I mean, he ended up getting away with a fine. But it just I've seems seen like great... everything FIA related is going uh, Red Bull's way at the moment. I've seen a great meme of Roman Grosjean ratting out Lewis Hamilton before for loosening his seatbelts on the uh, on the inlap. I saw that. But uh, Fionn, you had quite a different view of the incident. Yeah, I felt like, hey, look, did Verstappen try and run him off the road? Yeah. But he did he do it in a vaguely legal way? I also think, yeah. I think he... <laughs> in what way? <laughs> what, well, just because like, there wasn't sure, a wall there? Sure, he could have... Sure, he could have gone around the corner slightly tighter, <laughs> but like Hamilton could have given him more room on the second part of the chicane in Monza as well. Do you know what I mean? He what? It's not like he just drove straight and said, "I'm gonna crash into the side of you if you don't get out of the way." He went ar- around the corner and pushed him wide. Look at every other driving, like every everyone in DTM, every other racing class would tell you. No, if you try and stick yourself around the outside. Like that on that particular style of corner. Your man's going to run you wide every single time to try and make sure. I think there was no need for Hamilton to go and lunge that. Just stay right behind him and go past him on the two kilometers straight while you're miles faster than him. Don't even let him get near a corner to defend yourself. I think this was because it was coming out of sector one and in sector two he was getting smashed. So yeah. he wanted to make that pass well, he had before never been getting into that close. Yeah, this is true, this is true. But look, I think there is more to it than just attempted murder. I think um, (laughs) Hamilton overdid it on the corner. He was going to overshoot that corner anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, he was a little bit at fault too. But I still don't think you should... Like, it's, it's not right what Verstappen did. It must be scary... To be a terrible wheel to wheel driver and the other driver makes you do wheel to wheel racing. You know, so of I'm all weeks of all weeks to be making that we made twenty-four overtakes this weekend. Yeah, in a car with a rocket strapped to the back of it. To be fair no, though, none of them were in a corner. Blowing. Not one of them was on a corner. Yeah, they're blowing stuff up his ass. He basically just lined them up and drove past them. There was no and plus, how lucky was he that his qualifying penalty was for a sprint race that he could claw half of it back before... If that was on the next race, he'd have had to start the race from the back of the grid. And I really believe that if Hamilton had to start from last in the race, he would not have been so easy to get to the top. I I still think he would have at least came second in that race. I I 100% agree with you. But I think 
10 seconds is all Verstappen was behind. And I really believe, are you telling me at no point, because he only went from 10th to 1st. So you only have to get rid of pretty much the fast guys. Are you telling me at no point all those guys in the middle having their own little battles wouldn't have slowed him down by more than 10 seconds over the course of a whole race? I suppose they would because in the end of the day, he was 7th or 6th position after one corner. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, they probably would have, but I still think he would have came second. I, I agree with that. I just don't think and he that would have won it. And then I don't think we'd have been kissing his ass. ass. Well, I think we would. I think that would make it even more impressive if he was like, oh, he made 10 overtakes on the first day and then he made 19 overtakes on the second day. Uh, 29 overtakes in a race weekend. No, there weekend. wouldn't be the first day. So you just have to straight up do 19 overtakes. Right, okay. But, I mean, I'd still think the Brits would blow smoke up his ass. I mean, first I of all, he, he got he got away from Russell, who was going to try and mark him, let's be honest. So... <laughs> I thought it was a very impressive race from Lewis Hamilton. Man, he's literally in a okay, rocket. It's I not mean... even fit. He, the man finishes 40 seconds ahead of every the rest of the field. Him and Verstappen finished like 40 seconds ahead of everyone. Was it? Yeah, Bet- but he also finished him. 10 seconds ahead of Verstappen. But the guys who were until recently in third place in the Constructors' Championship told their drivers to stay out of his way. That, that was Coming the from the race. rear. In the sprint race, the sprint exactly. Race. Yeah, because they knew he was going to get another penalty and they'd start ahead of him anyway. So why would you why would you fight that cause? But the point, the fact is that these guys were looking to get into fifth and sixth position and they're saying, just let this guy by. They knew he was already going to make up those 14 spots. They, they knew weren't going to say, just let him by in the race though. That's a different... No, I know, but they knew that he was going to make up 14 spots over the course of whatever it was, 12 laps or 20 laps. So did everyone. So did everyone. everyone. But that's the point. He is in a rocket ship. This guy is not... So is it physically impossible for him to have a good race because he's in a good car? He can have a good race. He He can't have an ass-licking, blow-smoke, best driver I've ever seen race. No, he can't. But Right, okay, so... Do you remember when the uh, McLaren, Mercedes McLaren, were the best team on the grid? Those silver arrows. They had mm-hmm. Jensen Button and Lewis Hamilton. And in that yep. wet race in Canada, uh, where Jensen Button was last place after whatever it was, half a race, he made his way up through the field, picked them all off one by one. Outstanding Outrageous. overtakes all of the time. Even though he was in the fastest car, that was a brilliant race. He didn't just overtake them on the straights using DRS. I'm not saying it's the best race performance of all time, which that Jensen Button performance might well be. I'm saying he did very well, and I don't think... I, I think it's coming from a very I'm just saying, where did, he, where, did he show, no, where did he show his driving skill? In coming from 10th to 1st. Well, Brogan, like, here's my question. But it's Mexico, about the car. Catching Verstappen, who's in essentially the same car. I don't think he is. I think yeah, he's in a much Brogan, slower car. Catching Hamilton is one thing. The rest of the field is nothing. Like no, that's in, fine. In but the he last, was still in the Mexico 15, race, 20 seconds behind him when he started. What? The, Hamilton was still fifteen to twenty seconds at some stage behind Verstappen, and he made that time up and stayed behind him in his dirty air for what about 15, 20 laps, and then got a ten second lead ahead of him. All I'm saying is, is that that sounds pretty impressive to me. We've seen all year that the cars are pretty even. Yeah, fair enough. One track might suit better 
the car better and this was probably a mercedes track but to make up that much time and then get that much ahead of him i don't think he was i don't think the car is a second a lap quicker than the red bull i think on that circuit it genuinely was i don't know anyway um what else do we have to talk about i think that was kind of it we do have a race this weekend though in qatar gentlemen I'm going to ask you for your hot takes. It's a difficult one to hot take, isn't it? Because we've never been to Qatar. Mm. Um, Will women be allowed to watch the race? Should women be allowed to watch the race? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The Qataris is, have you believe that their brains will melt if they see cars going that fast. But um, I'm going to say more misery for McLaren. Only one car in the points, and at most, two points. My first hot take is going to be very lukewarm, so I'm going to give you a second one. Uh, I'm going to say... McLaren, or Mercedes, 1-2. Okay. That's my lukewarm one. And then, my prediction is that loads of spins and crashes in practice... Possibly even qualifying, but no, no red flag, no safety cars in the race. So there okay. might not be some DN- there might be some DNFs, but I think no safety cars. Yeah, I mean that makes sense because we went back. If you cast your eye back to uh, the Dutch Grand Prix in one that nobody had ever raced on before, unless it was in junior series, and. Um, yeah, there was a lot of incidents in practice and qualifying, and then the race we had twenty no finishers. No safety car. Yeah, no safety car. Um, gentlemen, do you know what tire blow out? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, my hot take is that Red Bull won too. Um, I reckon. I reckon uh, Hamilton finishes thirty seconds ahead of Verstappen in this race. Thirty no, seconds. No chance. Half no a minute. Chance. Uh, do you know what happens in the event? Now I don't actually know if this is possible. I did the maths out. But it turns out my maths was wrong uh, on whether they could finish level on points. And my it's definitely was mathematically possible, definitely. Yes. Because you is. can just make up well, whatever math. Yeah, you can exactly. just have them score with like one point and... for like. Yeah. But with the, the way I did it for was if Lewis won nine. one, if Lewis won one and had three fastest laps and Max wins one and comes third in one, they finish level on points. But that's actually wrong. But that was actually quite a likely one, I thought. Uh, because I definitely see them struggling in Saudi Arabia later uh, in three weeks' time. But anyway, do either of you know what actually happens if they do finish level on points? It's most pole positions, right? It's most victories. Ah. So most first place, and if they have the same amount, most second place, the same amount, most third places. Uh, and then if this procedure fails to produce a result, the FIA will nominate the winner according to such criteria as it thinks fit. I thought that was quite interesting. Hmm. The FIA are just bollocks for that sort of thing, aren't they? If they that got all the way, wishy-washy. It's 100% for stopping because the FIA loves Red Bull. Well, here's the thing. Hamilton cannot finish level on points with the same first, seconds and thirds that Verstappen yeah, has. Yeah, it's impossible. It's physically impossible. If, if they finish level on points, Verstappen wins because he has more victories. They should but do a penalty just... shootout. See who can get <laughs> Hamilton closest to Amsterdam by shooting him up the... Oh, sure. Russell, Russell would win the championship then. 
But uh, I just thought it was interesting, and it's never happened in Formula One, obviously. But no. it has happened. Are you, re- are you in, serious? In Formula Three Thousand, uh, they had the same exact same wins, second places, and third places. Ah, bro, and we're still two thousand nine hundred ninety nine away from Formula Three Thousand. <laughs> that is true. It is quite a low category. Um, in the season of two thousand and five, and they actually made them both winners. They both won the championship that year, and. Uh, that's fairly wishy-washy, though. Could you imagine they did that in Formula 1? Same thing happened in the 1996 Indy Racing League. So, there you go. Indy Racing League. Absolutely. I don't know whether that's IndyCar or whether that's some sort of... A smashing race series, anyway. Yeah, smashing. Spiffing. Um, anyway, congratulations, Fionn slash Rain, on your <laughs> quiz victory today. Uh, thank you i'm either glad i'm not uh doing a quiz next week or i'm glad that i won this week either way i'm glad i'm glad no matter what happened rain bummed it that's for sure well it's gone to if i didn't if i didn't bum it this week i will next week it's gone to michael messi for review uh and he'll get back to us very shortly but uh yeah that's all i have time for unless you have anything you want to chip in with no okay well then i thank you both for joining me today and we will see you next time for the Qatari Grand Prix.